Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. Those of you that watch each week, I know that you were so encouraged last week by Pastor Jensen's message, and I know that your faith was stirred. And uh, if you've been tracking with us, um, we're going to actually pick up part two. Um, of this message and uh, you can actually jump on the website or the YouTube if you missed part one um, of this message entitled The Right Response. Um, You can watch that, Um, but we're going to pick it up now for part two as we look at this right response as really a concept or of an idea um, taken out of the Word of God that I really believe that we can use it and apply it to our life right now in this climate that we are in. I don't know about you, but for me, I'm finding myself asking that same question of myself, I think every day right now, um, as different people will say different things or email me different things or send me different things. What is the right response? We can be so reactionary. We too often are reactionary. We're, we're, we are reacting to the climate that is around us. Um, And so we're looking at the book of Romans and we're looking at um, Paul and this letter that Paul wrote to the church in Rome that funnily enough, they were actually going through a difficult or experiencing a difficult climate where they were. And I just want to pick it up real quickly and, and, and just revisit this to set it up for those of you that missed perhaps part one. But we need to understand that the church at this time in Rome was a church that had been established in a Gentile region. And so the church was made up of Jews initially um, and then Gentiles joined the church. And so, of course, Gentiles, when they came, they joined the church. They brought with them um, their own ideas, their own ideologies, their own practices and their own beliefs. But you have these Jewish Christians um, that had ideologies and beliefs based upon the law and they're establishing church like that. And then the Gentiles are like, well, we want to we wanna do this Jesus gig too. And so they come in and they start adding their ideas and their concepts to it. And, and there's this, there's this um, division, if you like, um, there's this, there's this um, clash going on within the church. Um, not only is there this opposition that the church is facing, um, but outside of the church, in the culture at the time, politically they were facing difficulties as well. Dependent on who was emperor at the time, um, some emperors were, were tougher than others. Um, every now and then the church would get an emperor that would be set in power and he just decided, you know what, I don't like these guys, kick them out. And the church got kicked out. We talk a lot about persecution today. We have no idea what persecution looks like. These people were experiencing persecution of the church on a level that is so far beyond what we in Western culture are experiencing today. So many people are saying, well, the church is under attack. The church might be under attack, but we can look at the Word of God and find an answer from the Word of God for us as the people of God in regard to what is the right response. And so we talked about it last week and and we're looking at initially what Paul does at the start of Romans in Romans chapter one and verse one, where Paul sets a foundation. We discussed how important foundation is because foundation is the starting point of framework. 
And if we're gonna actually frame our lives based upon the Word of God, that's what we are doing. That's why actually Scripture says, Hebrews 3, uh, Hebrews, I'm sorry, 11, chapter 3, it says, by faith, the worlds were framed by the Word of God. So that's how we as Christians have to live our life. That we, we, we forget this. We think that it's this idea that we live our life how we want to live it. And we just add little sprinkles of a little pinch of salt, if you like, to our life from the Word of God based upon how much we want and what we like. No, our world that we live and how we operate and how we respond has to be framed, built upon the Word of God. But the foundation for that must be a life that is surrendered. That's why Paul introduces himself to the church in Rome by saying, I'm a, I'm a bond servant. I'm a slave. I am a slave to Jesus Christ. And if we have not established that as a foundation, that I don't own my life. Paul also said this, he made this statement, I take up my cross daily. The cross, we think of the cross as being like a nice little pretty necklace you wear around your neck. The cross in biblical times was a form of torture. So Paul is saying, I take up this cross daily, which means I die to myself daily. I kill my flesh, my dreams, my desires, my ideas daily. And that's the foundation that I'm gonna frame my life upon. And that's important for us to understand that as we look at this. Otherwise, we won't receive this word from God if we don't have a life that is surrendered to God. Because if my life is not surrendered to God, why am I gonna listen to what He has to say? I will filter what God is saying to my life based upon how I feel or what I wanna do. And so we, we, we almost treat the Word of God like this, this, little, this little buffet, like, like, like Sizzler. Like I'm just going to take a little bit of this and leave that. I'll take a little bit of this and I don't feel like that today, so I won't get that today. A little bit of that. That's not how the Word of God works. We have to understand that we've got to take this Word as a guideline and a framework for our life in its entirety. And if we will do that, we will frame a life that is not just momentary and doesn't fall apart day to day and week to week like too many people do. We will frame this life and we will build upon everything that we frame. Like naturally in, in construction, if they're gonna build a tall building, they, they set a, a foundation and they build a frame for story one and a frame for story two, for floor one, floor two, floor three, and they build. And this is what God wants for us, for our lives. In fact, in Matthew, He talks about this. Matthew 7 and verse 24, Jesus says this in regard to building our life upon the rock. Now we know that the rock is Jesus. And, and we get up in church and we say, I'm gonna build my life upon Jesus. And we're all like, awesome, we all go get Jesus tattoos. But we have to understand and look at what it says. He actually says, whoever of you is not just hearers of this word, but are doers. That's what he says. I liken you to a house that is built upon the rock. 
And the challenge to us, I think as a church, we are inundated with scripture. I mean, you get, you see scripture tweeted and posted and preached and podcast and YouTube all the time. My challenge more often than not to Christians that are planted in a church is not, are you hearing the word of God, but are you doing the word of God? If we did what we heard, our life would stand that much stronger. And so this is what I wanna set up for us as Christians. So as we ask ourselves, Lord, what's the right response? How, how, do, I, how do I respond to what I'm seeing going on when I watch the news? How do I respond to what people are telling me the way they feel right now? How do I respond to that? the hurt that people are feeling? How do I respond to the the disunity that I see maybe in your own friendship group, maybe in your own family? I know families that have been broken apart right now. There is a spirit of division right now. So how do we as Christians respond to this? So we've been looking at these verses in Romans chapter 13 and verse 11. And I'm gonna start um, just to revisit. He says, and doing this, knowing, that the, knowing the time that now is high time to awake out of sleep for now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. We looked at that and we looked at when we need to respond. We looked at why we need to respond. But now we're gonna look at what it is, what, what, what really been, what's the essence of what we've got to do? What do we do? He tells us here, He says, the night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us, I love that Paul puts himself in here. Paul, the apostle Paul, who's writing the letter to the church, he he could have said, let you, but he didn't. Paul said, let us. That speaks to me of a heart that is continually looking within himself, challenging himself, saying, what, God, what do I need to do different? How can, how, what, are the, what are the things that are in my life that I need to throw off? He says, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armour of light. There's got to be, in order for us to respond, There has to be a a humility in our heart that is willing to cast some things off. If we wanna walk in what Jesus walked in, if we wanna later on in this verse, it tells us to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. If I wanna put on Jesus, there has to be a casting off before there is a putting on. Because what you read about in the Word of God it's, it's not designed to, to work in with other parallels and pa- paradigms and mindsets that, that, that you already have in your thinking. And you have to cast those off in order for you to put that word on. Remember the story of blind Bartimaeus. It's in Mark chapter, chapter 10 and blind Bartimaeus is, is this dude and he's blind. And the Bible says that he's, he's on the roadside and, and, and Jesus is coming by. You know the story if you've been in church. And Jesus is coming by. And the Bible says in 10 verse uh, 50 that, that blind Bartimaeus, when Jesus called Bartimaeus to him, it says that he cast aside his garment 
Now, if, if, if we don't have really a, a, an understanding of, of how, how significant this action was, because we don't understand the days and times in which they lived, and what that garment meant to a blind man, and what it represented to a blind man in that moment, we skip past that verse and we miss what it's actually saying. To a blind man, there, were, there was actually three things that that garment meant to them. You have to understand the first thing that it was is it was a level of comfort. Because why do you get clothed? You get clothed to prepare yourself for the environment you're going to. So there's a level of comfort dependent on the weather for this blind man. There was protection, perhaps there was covering, there was warmth. And he made this decision that I want what God has for me more than the comfort that I'm experiencing right now. I want to tell you in order for you to cast off, you have to get uncomfortable. You're gonna have to get uncomfortable. It's going to mean that there is some shifts that are gonna have to take place in your thinking that maybe you're not used to. There's maybe some addictions that you've gotten comfortable. This is the thing that I've learned about addiction. It is incredibly comfortable. It's a dysfunctional comfort, but it's still a comfort. Because often even the things in our life that we know are wrong, if we have become familiar with them, we are comfortable. Because we always, as human beings and as society, we always find comfort in what we're familiar with. You ever traveled? I traveled before to different countries and, and, and I, love, I, love a, I love coffee. And so when I go to different countries, often I'll get off a long flight and, and the first thing you're doing is, is you wanna find somewhere where you can get coffee, right? America loves their Starbucks, right? And so when you travel and you get somewhere where you are outside of what's familiar to you and you want a coffee, what are you looking for? You're looking for that magical godly sign that says Starbucks. Why? Because you are familiar with it. There's a comfort there. There's a familiarity there. And in order for us to often in times like this have a right response, often it means for us a different response to what we would normally have. So we see blind Bartimaeus, he gets uncomfortable. He throws it off. The other thing that it meant was for him is it was a shift in his, it wasn't just comfort, it was a shift or a change in his calling. Because your clothing in biblical times, especially for a beggar, meant this was your identity. You were known by the the type of clothing you wore. Priests wore certain robes. Kings wore certain robes. Beggars also wore certain robes. So when blind Bartimaeus threw that off, It wasn't just throwing off the jacket or clothes that he had on. It was deeper than that. It was him signifying. It was almost like it was declaration that I am no longer this person anymore. I am not gonna live this way anymore. I'm gonna throw off and I'm gonna embrace a new identity that this is not who I am anymore. And the third thing, and many people don't realise this about blind Bartimaeus and beggars at that time. 
But if you study it, you'll see that what they would do is beggars actually had a long, it was a long coat that would go all the way to the ground. And what they would do is they would kneel on the ground and they would wear the cloak and the excess cloak that would would be around them, they would actually spread in front of them. And this would be where people that would pass by would actually throw coins and they would throw coins onto that coat. Now, what jumps out at me about this story, and if you read it in the other, in the other different translations and the other gospels about this story, they all simply mention that blind Bartimaeus stood up and threw his coat aside. I looked at it. It doesn't say, if I'm gonna get up and there's money on the ground on my coat, I'm gonna gather up the coins first. But blind Bartimaeus does not. Why? Because often to throw off something will cost us something that he had to throw aside. He just got up. I see this picture of blind Bartimaeus just getting up and just throwing it all aside despite the coins, despite the identity, despite the cost of it because there was something that he was called to that was greater than what he was encountering in that moment right there and then. That maybe, maybe as you cast aside some things in order to have a right response, maybe it's gonna cost you something. Maybe it'll cost you, as I said, some mindsets. Maybe it's gonna cost you some, some conversations that are challenging. Maybe it's gonna cost you some friends. Maybe it'll cost you some family members. Wait a second, Ben, isn't, isn't, isn't Jesus all about unity? We preach Jesus like he was just this nice guy that walked around, you know, singing all the time with, with daffodils behind his ears and a sheep around his neck. It was not that. We, we forget, see, we take the image of Jesus that we think best fits how we wanna live our life and that's the Jesus that we preach. But if you actually read about Jesus, there's this verse I was looking at earlier. Is it uh, Matthew, Matthew 10? Matthew 10, verse 34. I'm going to read it to you because if I don't read it to you, hold my Bible, you probably won't believe this is what the Bible says. You ready? The little title, the little title that it has here above, it says, Christ brings division. I mean, dear Lord, that looks like a misprint. Look at it in your, I don't know what your version says, but mine says this, verse 34 in the New King James. Jesus speaking, He says, do not think that I came to bring peace. What? Do not think, that it looks like a misprint, doesn't it? Don't think that I came to bring peace on earth. Doesn't that screw up all of our Christmas carols? Peace on earth. Don't think I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set, look at this. This isn't the Jesus we wanna read about. I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be those of his own household. See, Jesus says, 
in that verse, he says, I did not come to bring peace. So what we're singing about in Christmas carols is a verse in Isaiah that actually says, and this is the, the differentiate, you have to understand how different this is, that Jesus says, I have not come to bring peace. Peace is not something that I come to give you. Isaiah says that he is the Prince of Peace. So we've got to understand is very different. Peace is not something that Jesus brings. Peace is who He is. But if you want to experience the peace that is Jesus Christ, you're going to have to leave some things in your life where they are and separate from them to connect to who He is as the Prince of Peace. That's why Paul says at the start of Romans, I am a slave, I am a bond servant. And he says this, separated to the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. But if we want that peace that is Jesus Christ, we have to be separated to Him. If I'm gonna be separated to Him, I am also separated from something. So understand in order for you to walk in the peace that is Jesus Christ, there may be some division that you're gonna have to walk through in your life that might be dividing you from some people, from some family, from some situations, from some mindsets, from some ideologies that you're gonna have to leave and not everybody's gonna be happy with it. But in order for you to do and be what God has called you to do and be, you're going to have to, separate, but we don't want to do it. We want Jesus to bring peace to my life, the way in which I'm living it, which means I want to think this, I want to hang out with these people, I want to do this, I want to act this way, and I want Jesus to come like a little dove and just sprinkle fairy dust over my whole little dysfunctional situation and just bless me. And then we wonder why we're not living free. We wonder why we're not walking in the fullness. You're not walking in the fullness of what God has for you because you're so full of everything that you want for you. If you would abandon what you want, you would get full of what He has for you. But we have to separate. This is so important for us right now as a church because so many of us, we are just doing what everybody wants us to do. We're just following what everybody wants us to follow. We're just going the way. If everybody's doing this, well, then I'm going to do that. No, no, no. Separate yourself and ask God, what is the right response? He says, cast off the works of darkness and put on. Let us walk, put on the armour of light. Let us walk properly. I like, I like walk. I like that word in there. Because as we, as at the start of this, he's, Paul is almost like a rallying, a rallying of the troops. You know, he says, get up. Now's the time for us to awake. It feels like he should say run, doesn't it? That would preach, you know, let's run. Yeah. 
Let's all run to, run to our calling, run to our purpose. What that spoke to me of is I think the, the manner in which we right now have to carry ourselves. It's an amazing verse in Proverbs. It says to be slow to speak and quick to listen. Walk there to me. It means of a level of peace that we as the people of God have got to carry right now in order to navigate through this climate that we're in. That we've got to have a wisdom. It means slow to speak. Let me put it like this, slow to post, slow to tweet, slow to shout, slow to call that person, slow to send that text. How many of you would be saved from bad things going on in your life if you were slow to text? We're jumping on, I can't believe you can type quick when you're mad. You ever got to your phone how quick you can type when you're mad? I will fire through a freaking essay in about 15 seconds if someone makes me mad. Try doing this before you put that post or that comment. Try asking the Holy Spirit, Lord, what do you want me to do? What's the right response? Slow to post, slow to comment. Let's create space for the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us. He's talking to us all the time. The Bible says, pray without ceasing. And prayer is a two-way conversation, which suggests that He is always talking to me. That challenges me because I'm not hearing all of the time the voice of God. I am when I pray. I am when I prepare sermons. But am I listening to the voice of God while I'm scrolling through social media? Am I listening to the voice of God while I'm watching the news? You listening to the voice of God when you're looking at your Twitter or going through Facebook? This is what we need to do. And he says, he says at the end here, and this is it. He says, cast off, walk properly in peace. And he says, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ. So what, what is the right response? Our response is simplistic as it is, but I think too often we are so far from it, is to actually be Jesus to people. Be Jesus. It doesn't mean that some, we think be Jesus, that just means be nice. No, not always. As we just read about, he says, I didn't come to bring peace. I am peace, but I'm not always going to bring peace because sometimes to walk in peace, there's got to be division in your life where you divide yourself from negative people and influences in your life in order to experience the peace that is Jesus. We've got to be Jesus. Jesus was ruthless for the things of God. So much so that he turned to Peter, one of his favourites, and called the joker Satan. Get behind me, Satan. I mean, bro, like that's disheartening when Jesus looks at you and says, get behind me, Satan. If I was Peter, I would go back to fishing right there in that moment. I'd be like, I am out, this joker. But we leave it, we'll leave church in a second when we get offended. 
cut people. Man, we will cut things off just because we got challenged by what the Word of God is saying. I don't adapt the Word of God to fit my life. I adapt my life to fit the Word of God. And if we were making this decision, if this was our response every single day to cast off where we would say, Lord, just cover my mind today. A word talks about, I take every thought captive, every thought captive, and I command my thinking to come in line with the Word of God today. And I put on Jesus. You dress yourself naturally for the climate that you're going into, don't you? So right now, I think it is critical for us as the people of God to be putting on Jesus. You ever, you ever got dressed, you, you wore the, the wrong thing for the type of weather it was? You know, like, like you went up to the mountains or something or you, you, went, you were going into a colder climate and you didn't realise it was gonna be that cold. And, and you're in the car and everything's cool. But then when you get out of the car and you get into that climate, what happens? It changes how you feel. Now I'm cold. Why are, why, why are so many people feeling anxiety right now? Yes, there's anxiety in the climate. But if you clothed yourself in the peace that is Jesus Christ, See, what it does is when I clothe myself, it creates an insulation between the climate that I'm in and the person that I am. So when I clothe myself in Jesus, it doesn't matter how anxious, how fearful, how uncertain or how scary the climate or the atmosphere might be. If I am wrapped up in Jesus Christ, who the Word of God says, the Holy Spirit is a comforter and a counsellor. There is a comfort and a counsel that I am operating in and that I am walking in that will not allow the climate to change how I feel. That's why he says, the peace of God, what is it? Surpasses. In other words, the peace of God, it overrides. It surpasses. It's bigger than, it's greater than my understanding. It's greater than what's going on around me. What's the right response? to get so wrapped up in Jesus that, that, that He is all that we see, that He is all that we know, that, that Jesus would become the lens by which I view everyone and everything. That's, that, that's what it looks like to have the God response. That's what the people of God, us as the people of God need to be doing. We need to be seeing people and situations the way Jesus did. But if we are not positioned in Jesus Christ, we will not do that. This is the right response. This is the challenge for us as a church. Are you responding the way Jesus would? 
He's doing what Jesus would do. Again, be reminded, Jesus didn't just do what everybody was doing. He was so focused upon what God had called him to do. Jesus was completely kingdom focused. This, and, and, and we're running out of time, but this is so important. Understand that when Jesus came, they continued to try to get him to speak to the political climate at the time, all the time. That the, the Jewish people were under oppression and they saw Jesus and so many people wanted to know, is this the Messiah? Some believed He was, some believed He wasn't. But all of them, including the disciples, they wanted Jesus to speak to the political climate. That's why even two of the disciples, James and John, they came to him and they said, when you, become, when you come to the throne, can I sit on your left and can I sit on your right? They kept thinking of that he was going to come and adjust things politically. But Jesus never addressed the political climate. He never did it. This is so challenging for us because He was so focused upon a kingdom that superseded the climate at the time, that He was operating on a level that they were worried about this person and that person and, and who was in rule here and who was gonna be in rule here and who was in power here and what this person was saying, what this person was doing. But Jesus said, no, I'm done with all of that. This is my kingdom that I came to bring down. The way, and I'm not saying that the church is not called to influence politics, but the way in which we influence politics is by changing people. And when we change people and point Jesus, point people to Jesus, we influence politics, but we cannot get so caught up in the political climate that we miss the call of God upon us as the church to bring down the kingdom. There's a greater calling. There's a greater calling. And it's the kingdom of God. That's what we need to be wrapped up in church. It's time to get focused. It's time to align ourselves with the things of God, with the cross of Jesus, with the blood of Jesus, with His purpose, with the promises of God. We've got to preach it. We've got to declare it. We've got to point people to it. We've got to lift up the name of Jesus Christ higher than ever before. We've got to see people baptised in the Holy Spirit. We've got to see more people healed than ever before. We've got to see souls won into the Kingdom. Now is the time for us as the church, but we cannot miss it by getting so distracted with everything else thank you for listening to this week's podcast we hope you were blessed